Oh man, it is a Tuesday night and we are back for another banging episode of Brothers from the 818. My name is Dave, as you know, and I am here with my man, 50 Grand. Caleb's in the house. What's going on with you, man? Dave, man, you always come in with so much energy. I always feel like I come in a little flat. And so, um, you know, I've been watching you my entire life, man, because you're the old man on the block, right? And so, um, so much of who I am is because of you. And um, I just want to thank you, man. I don't, I don't think I give, I don't think I show you enough love. I don't think I give you enough love on the podcast or even in life, man. You know, I love you, but uh, just, just, man, thank you for everything that you do, man. How's your week? Man, my week is uh, good. It's, um, it's exhausting. As I told you, I think I'm in my 67th week of summer around here. It's just, it just seems uh, exhausting. I don't want to let that pass, man. I, I just really want to say thank you for your words. Um, I love you too. It's definitely reciprocal. Um, people who we run into, especially now that we kicked off the podcast, they always say, man, I didn't realize you and Caleb were still kicking it. And my question is always the same. Why not? What, what made you think we wouldn't be kicking it? I mean, We've just been tight like that from the beginning, and, and it's all love, man. It's all love. Like I said, Tuesday nights wouldn't be the same if we, uh, if we weren't doing this, so I'm glad, I'm glad we have this opportunity. So, but I'm not trying to make this a love fest, man. We got some stuff to talk about. Um, first things first, and I'm just, I'm just going to recap it real quick, and then I'm going to be done with it, and you can say what you have to say, and then we can get into it. Um, last year, or last week, you know, I was almost doing the cabbage patch, man, because you know, Kanye wasn't running for president and he's still out there running his mouth, right? And I'm like, what's going on with you? Now, I'm going to say he's only in two states that I know of, so I don't know how far it's going to go. But I'm like, man, sit on down. Go, go do something, anything, really. But um, this running for president thing is out. And then the last thing I'm going to say, and then you can take it over, like I said, I'm done with it. He, he came out with some stuff he said about Harriet Tubman. And I'm like, man... You just need to go sit down somewhere because, you know, I understand the context by which what he was saying, but in today's climate, one, I don't agree with his words, and two, I think it was irresponsible as a black man in today's society to just come out and publicly say some mess like that. But that's Kanye. He just, he wants to be on the edge, and as long as you're talking about him, he's getting what he wants. So I'm done talking about him because, like I said, I got nothing else to say. Let me say this, man. First of all, I know that you're old because you're talking about the cabbage patch, man. I ain't seen nobody do no cabbage patch. Come on, man. You know you want to get in there with me. <laughs> I do, but I ain't. Uh, and the, the other thing about Kanye, man, I don't want Kanye to undo the years of struggle, the bloodshed, the progress, and the, uh, the change that's, that's going on in our country today. Um, I don't want to give Kanye any more time. I think he's a joke, um, and if you listen to anything that he said in the past couple of weeks, you just know he's a joke. Um, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't represent me no more than our current uh, our current uh, president. Uh, so let me say this, man, before we before we switch it and 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 bring in our guest, man. Um, if there's one thing I have to report, um, is that my brothers from the eight one eight sign was delivered. What? It was delivered um, uh, this weekend, and so I'm celebrating that, man. Um, you know, we we've been talking about we just we just touched on Kanye, but we got some guests on here, man, that are artists in their own right. 
We do, we do. Before we bring them on, I, I gotta do something real quick. So um, as part of their introduction, here you go. We had, we had, I had to do that, man. I just right. that's been running through my head all day. So yeah, we got some special guests with us tonight. Um, not just one, not just two, but uh, three, four, five uh, brothers and, and a few from the 818. So um, brothers, y'all out there, can, can you hear us? Yo, yo. Yo. There it is. Yes, sir. What's going on? Sir, what up? Right, we got... We got some folks in the house. It's too many of y'all, and and uh, I'm glad to say I'm not the old man in the room, but I'm not even going <laughs> to try to remember y'all names and all that. So um, you heard our check-in. Uh, we just want to give you guys each a few minutes. Um, we know a couple of you brothers can be quite loquacious, um, and for the hard of hearing, that just means you like to talk. I know how it is because I'm accused of that myself a lot. But we're going to start with, uh, with, with Brother Racky. Uh, why don't you tell us about yourself or introduce yourself and then we'll just go around the room and, and say what's up to everybody. Alright. Uh um, I go by Racky. Uh my stage name is Big Bad Racky. I'm kind of changing it temporarily. It's like, it's like a temporary name, but um uh I produce, engineer, and record music. I had a couple of friends who were into it and I just software logic pro X. I taught myself how to produce, how to engineer, how to record. And it's been something I really love doing. And I, I take it very seriously. It's something I spend a lot of my days on. So really and truly, it's all about, for me, just working on my craft and getting better at it. But yeah. How old are you? I'm 16. I'm about to turn 17 in December. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. Um, Thank a, you. I like that. Okay. I like that. Well, welcome to the show, uh, Racky and, and uh, Big Bad Racky. You change your name, you let us know. <laughs> make sure we promote you, man, and make sure we let I got you, you. you out there. All right, thank you. Brother Josh, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Pleasure and an honor to be here with everybody. Um, I'm just a lover of, of hip-hop, man. I grew up on it. You know, I'm, I love the culture, everything about it. You know, from emceeing and DJing and, you know, beatboxing and breakdancing and graffiti and, and just everything about hip hop, man. I've been listening to it pretty basically my whole life. You know, I try to stay well versed in the different, the different eras, the different subgenres of hip hop and just, uh, just a lover of hip hop, man. Uh, you're in good company tonight, man. I think we can all say that. Um, so welcome to the show. Um, for those of you out there in listening land, you might remember Brother Josh. We had him on, what was, what was that, Caleb, maybe a month ago? I think about three weeks ago, we had him on. We were talking about uh, culture. Yeah. Yeah. And we knew then that we were going to have this episode coming up. So we're glad you can join us again. You are officially our, um, I don't know, I don't know if I can call you officially our first repeat guest because we got another brother on, uh, Brother Verb. Uh, can you hear me? You out there? Yes, sir. You hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. Uh, this is my second time here. Thank you for having me. Uh, first time was a pleasure. I had a really great time, so I'm happy to be here again. Uh, I go by Verb. Uh, that's my stage name. 
uh, I do, uh, I've been involved in media and hip hop and entertainment probably since a teenager. So uh, I'm a recording artist, um, a writer. Uh, I used to make beats, but now I'll focus more on the, the, the rhymes and just recording and everything. But uh, yeah, man, I've been a hip hop, a fan of hip hop since a, since a, a kid, since the early ages, eight or nine, I can recall listening to music around the house with a record player and all that. So I grew up on it, man, and I still to this day I'm a I'm a fanatic. Like I'm a hip hop fanatic. I'm up on you know not just my own music, but every you know all things that's dealing with the culture. Like I'm up on that. So so I'm happy to be here, man. I'm ready to talk. Verb, I think you've been a little humble, man. You just released an album, man. You just released it. You just dropped something fresh, man. Come on, give it to us, man. Okay, well, well, I, I belong to a group. It's called um, Misfit Music, and I also have another group. I belong to Muddy Trenches. Uh, we just dropped the album. Um, the Ordinary Madness album just dropped, what about maybe a month ago, if that, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, and, and we're an international collective, so the, the producer, he's from Germany, and then the other MC is my, my partner, KOS, he's from uh, New Mexico. So, uh, you know, I, I used to live overseas, so I got uh, a quite a um, discography when it comes to making music from Germany to France to the UK, uh, to, to back here to LA, you know, all over. So, and the album's doing pretty well, which we're, we're happy about. Uh, it came out through a label in Berlin, uh, Arjuna Music. So, so it's an official studio release, which is, you know, which is, which is dope. So yeah, we're just happy, man. We're just happy to be doing music and happy that, you know, it's being received very well. So, you know, we're blessed. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. Well, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you back. Thank you. Um, last time you brought a real truth. And so, um, the bar is raised, brother. Um, don't don't come short of it, because I will call you on it tonight. I'm just like, you know, I know you will. <laughs> I might give other, I might give a couple other cats a break, but you've been here before, so yeah. I know all of y'all. So I'm not really <laughs> offering any breaks tonight. I, I'm fresh out. Um, brother Black Fist, what's going on with you, man? Oh, what's good, Kings? Oh man, I'm just blessed, man, to be here tonight. I thanks I thank you both for the invitation, and we both go back long ways. Um, but uh, like the youngster, um, uh, Big Rocky said, he was in the midst of changing his name. Man, I go all the way back to, I started rapping, whoo, 16 myself, 16. But I'm AKA Simply Dex, AKA Brother Dex, AKA Blackfist. So, you know, you're gonna go through those type of tears, Rocky. So as your philosophy change, as your concepts change, just over how, a life change, you, your name gonna change. My philosophy changed, never changed. I always been a militant guy, but I went from Brother Dex to Blackfist only because the, the social impact and the connotation that the name gave and everything I spit rep is representative of that name. So I dropped two independent, well, back in 88, I dropped a single off uh, independent label that me and my uncle started called Toe Rag Records out of Pacoima. And I had linked up with Dr. Ice out of New York from you, uh, the old school group UTFO. If y'all don't remember, if any of y'all remember Roxanne, Roxanne, yeah, you know, that was course. the OG cut. Of course. And uh, we did a single, we collabed on a single together. And then after that, of course, I went through the normal politics like most of everybody would went through. And then I started releasing my own two albums independently. So I dropped first album, Vengeance is Mine, in 2001. I followed that up with my second release called In a Moment's Time, Seven Days, Seven Years, Tribulation, 
dropped that one as my second release. I was going to drop a third, but life, hey, life grabbed me, man. I got tired of going from LA to Texas to Atlanta in the back of a truck, sitting out on Venice Beach in the streets of Hollywood. It was fun, but man, that took a toll. So at the age of 35, 36, I hung up my cleats. But the passion is still there. Hey, man, uh, let me say this, man. I was doing, like, no, we were doing talent shows at San Fernando High, right? And, you know, I got, I got my beats. I got my beats for my homeboy down the street, and he's coming with studio-ready beats. How am I competing with Dex in the talent <laughs> show with my beats? And he, 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 I'm driving to school the day, the day of the talent show, and his music is on. His music is on the radio. That's that's what I that's what I was up against. That's what I was up against. Hey, we go back that far, Dex. That I, far, love, I love that you're there, man. That far, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. So, so just to say it, I was enrolled at Van Nuys High, but I spent more time in San Fernando than I did at my own school. And I remember driving in with you that morning, listening to Dex. It's like, that's who we going up against? Man, you didn't tell me. Um, and it's a good segue because. Our beats came from the beat machine that I got from the brother up the street. And the brother up the street happens to be with us. Back in 88, 86, <laughs> we called him Big Rock. So Big Rock, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, good to hear from everybody. Uh, glad we're still all around. Blessings, man. Uh, my name, well, I, well, you guys all know, I mean, a lot of names on the block. Uh, you know, Rocky, you know, DJ Rock. DJ OG Rock is what I've been known uh, most for is by OG Rock, MC OG Rock. You know, now just DJ John most of the time. Uh, been doing, God, geez, hip hop. I mean, literally DJing 35 years now um, through Heat Production Mobile DJ Service. You know, we start off with LAX Productions uh, way back, you know, making the beats. Uh, been down with hip hop since hip hop started. So, uh, like everybody said, we were a fan all of our lives. And we remain fans now, even though your music has changed a lot. But um, again, still involved in music, still spinning. COVID slows down a little bit, but uh, we still get out there and do our thing. So um, uh, thanks for that, Rock. I remember all the names, by the way. Um, I remember, <laughs> uh, I remember K Caleb wearing, wearing socks with color stripes don't, up his knee. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell a few stories, but I'm gonna leave them alone, man. Yeah, leave I'm them alone. Stay smooth and silky. There it is. There it is. What I do want to say: the difference between our oldest guest and our youngest guest is almost 40 years. Wow. And we're talking about we're talking about hip hop, uh, rap music through a history, through a culture. And I'm really just looking forward to uh, hearing the input across the generations as we talk about this tonight. So you know, I really want to just jump right into it. I'm gonna throw out some scenarios right now. I'm gonna throw out some questions. And it's really four questions, and um, we can just talk about it. The rest of what we're doing tonight is just going to kind of vibe off of this, and, and we're going to send it a couple of different directions. So um, hopefully each person gets a chance to share. Remember, it's a lot of you, so try to keep your comments tight and, and to, the, to the direction. But, um, and some of you answered some of these already, but we want to know, you know, when did you, you get started? You know, when did you find yourself spitting your first verse? You know, for me, I was walking down the street in Chicago in 1979, and I heard Christmas Rapping by Curtis Blow. 
And that was the first rap that I remember just really flowing with. Um, who were your early influencers? Um, you know, uh, Big Rock, that's going to be a whole lot different than, uh, than you know, a Josh or a Verb or, or, or even a Big Bad Racky. It's going to be a lot different. Um, and then what's your go-to track, right? So in all my years of listening to hip-hop, there's like a, a line or a verse that I can just always go to in the back of my head. And it's just always there. It's like running on repeat 24-7 every day. Um, mine is uh, Eric B. and Rakim. It can be done, but only I can do it, right? And that's just always channeling through my head. So I'm giving you guys examples just to keep the conversation flowing. But jump in. Uh, the, the water's warm. It, it's trembling. Uh, we about to have a good time up in here. Whoever, let's go. Um, I'll get started. I, I'll just say this is, you know, as an old elder, I guess, in the room, um, you know, hip hop started, you know, way back. So um, I guess what I say when, when you, when I always say, when did you fall in love with hip hop? Was it was the uh, Brown Sugar movie? Um, you know, I would say this, you know, it had it, been out and around, you know, you hear the Sugar Hill Gang, what have you, out on the radio, uh, things like that. And it was kind of like, okay, it's all right. But when it really started hitting my heart is my cousin got married and there was a DJ there and they were playing the song, A Wonder. Uh, you know, so, you know, that song, just the beat of that song and watching the people get down off that record really kind of got into my heart. Uh, when I really first started kind of rapping, I would say, you know, Curtis Blow, the breaks was kind of going on back then. Um, but he had a song on the flip side. Um, trying, it was called Eight Million Stories. And it would kind of go Eight Million Stories in the Naked City, some ice cold with some without pity. <laughs> That song, because it had a social aspect to it, he wasn't just party rocking. He was kind of talking about life. And I hadn't heard that really on a lot of records. A lot of their other records were party rock records. So that's when it really got me and said, you know, I heard Curtis do that. I can do that. And that's when I began to write because of the Eight Million Stories by Curtis Book. That's what's up. Who else? I guess I can go. Um, see, I, I'm the I'm the youngest of four, and uh, you know I have three sisters, and uh, me and my my the closest in age were eight years apart. So uh, my sisters are much older than me. So I remember growing up on rap music and breaking and all that kind of stuff as a little kid, and I had my cousins and everything. So it was B Street breaking and all that kind of stuff, or just around the house, Last Dragon, all that kind of stuff, right? So that's when I first started really like enjoying the music. So I was watching old videos, Kwame, uh, Kid and Play, uh, uh, back in, uh, let me see, Brand Nubian. I, I grew up through the whole yeah. era, era. So like I got the old school, Eric B and Rakim, Stetsasonic, X-Clan. So I got all that, like I, I got hit with it. Like I was knee deep in all that. And then as I slowly started getting a little older, maybe 10 and 12 is when I started like really working on music. And then junior high was when I guess it was probably more like the Wu-Tang, the Nas, the Jay-Z, the Biggie, like that's what it was really like. I was really getting into the bars and all that kind of stuff. And then once I hit 16, 17, that's when I was more on like the lyricist lounge, most deaf, Talib Kweli, Common, um, that, that vibe, Rockets Records, like that type of vibe. Uh, this was back when Eminem was first coming out and all these, you know, individuals like that. So that's that's what really got me into the, the the music. And I was fortunate to grow up in an era where 
there were a lot of open mics like Melrose and Hollywood was really was really cracking. They had a lot of open mics at like in, in Northridge and all throughout the valley. So so I got I got into it like that. Like I got thrown into the fire on some like either you go, you go sing or you go swim. It wasn't like it, we didn't have a studio. It wasn't no like we just go to Guitar Center and mom go buy me this this top of the line equipment. Like we was recording in a my friend's garage uh, on like a, a little Windows like a ninety Windows ninety five PC. Uh, you you record a whole song and the, the computer frees up on you. And you got to redo everything, you know. So so I so I've been through all that. So that's like I fell in love with it at an early age with the SP twelve hundreds and MPCs and all that kind of stuff like way back. Like so. I'm very grateful for that, you know. So I, I, I got my, I got my, my, my hip hop music theory, my lessons from my family, but then I went out there and got it, you know, on my own as like a street kid. Like I was, I was rapping, backpacking, like I was a true like underground head. So that's when I fell in love with it. Probably them teenage years, but I was already like familiar with the genre, very familiar with it. Um, all the way self destruction, all that, all that uh, crush groove, all that. So I got, I got all that, you know, mm -hmm. Fat Boys which used to be the Disco 3 before that or whatever, but yeah, all that. All right, all right. Josh, Racky, Blackfist. I'll let Josh go. Sure, um, you know me, I remember being a kid and you know, it was the golden era of hip hop and, and Pac and Biggie were all over the radio. And you know, I fell in love with Pac's music, you know, he's my favorite artist across all genres, you know? Um, and that's what really kind of turned me on to the music. But, you know, as I got a little bit older by my teenage years, you know, a lot of my buddies, especially from the neighborhood, you know, that's all we listened to. And, and uh, one of my boys put me up on like Gangstar and, you know, Tribe Called Quest, a lot of these, you know, East Coast groups that, that were on that conscious music, you know, Africa Bambada and all that. And, and, that's where I really felt like I, I, I really discovered my love for hip hop. You know, I, I was just so blown away listening to these cats and, and how powerful their messages was and, and, you know, just freestyling with the homies, you know, and things like that. And, 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 you know, you know, just dabbling with the music and, you know, before you know, it, you know, you know, we, we started going out to like the project Blowed and Lamarck park, you know, um, formerly known as the good life. And, you know, just, man these next level oh, you know, world-class talents these guys man and and you know the audience there was ruthless man you know if, if you didn't if you didn't bring your a game you know they would chant please pass the mic please pass the mic you know mm -hmm. so you really had to come with it you know and and that environment it was just like it it was <laughs> pressure but but it was fun it was it was so many things you know and just being there and, and being able to you know rock and what have you you know, before you know, you know, you, you start rubbing elbows with, with these OGs, some of some of these legends, you know, the two mexes of the world, the abstract roots of the world, you know, the freestyle fellowship. And man, it was just amazing, you know, and, and that, that's really when I started discovering, you know, like my love for it and, and, and my passion for like doing more than just listening to the music and what have you. But yeah, man. And, and since then, just trying to, trying to, educate myself about the different eras and, and listen, you know, listen to, to the founders of hip hop and, and, and listen to the, some of the youngsters nowadays, you know, the music, the music definitely has changed a lot, you know, but um, there's a lot of great artists out there right now, man. There's a lot of extremely talented artists that are not really getting all the love, you know, or, or, or the, the, the shine, so to speak, you know, especially on the underground, man. And, and even some of these cats like the Kendrick Lamars and the J. Coles of the world, you know, are just, 
man, they're they're carrying it forward, man. Respect to them. Yeah, I can I can identify with all that, Josh. You you taking me back? I I think I got um probably you know 13, 14 years on you. So some of that music you were coming up in, I was in college and and beyond hitting that. But uh, the the music is timeless, and so definitely appreciate some of the artists that you uh, you brought to the forefront. Um, who's next? Well, I'm gonna jump in because I I, I was kind of glad I let Josh go first because he says something so profound to me when he called rap the 90s, the golden era of rap. But I, I'm gonna take it a step further. I'm gonna say the 90s to the mid 2000s was the golden time period of rap. Definitely was. Now, I mean, of course that golden era started with, you know, the, uh, uh, the African Bambadas and all those cats back in the day, Run DMC, they laid the path because it was a new form of music that captured the imagination of uh, our young people. So it was definitely something that was going against the grain. But that 90s, that 90s to mid 2000s, nothing's going to take that. That will always go down as the golden era of rap. Now, that being said, back in for me, what, what, what motivated me and got me started was back in 80, 80 I'm going to say 86. Uh, I had went to Louisiana, and um, my brother out there, um, they was doing rap contests, and he needed somebody to rap with him. And, you know, I'm fresh out of Cal you know, I just came back from L.A., was gang bang, you know, out of the gang life and all of that stuff. So I wasn't really, you know, into rap at that time. But I said, okay, you need somebody, I'll do it. So we kind of patterned ourselves after Run DMC. And we, his name was Rock. I went by Dex, D-E-double-X, so it was Dex and Rock. So kind of we kind of did, for every song Run DMC did, we did a, uh, what they call a, a twist on their song and, and flipped the lyrics and made it, you know, like they did uh, My Adidas, we did My Levi's, you know what I'm saying? So because Levi's was the hot jeans back then. But I would say Run DMC was probably the people that, gave me that itching to listen to that type of music. From there, it was LL, because at that point, I came back to LA, became a solo, <laughs> and LL Cool J was by far the first person that did it for me as far as an independent artist. Then, after that conscious change, I became militarized by the biography of Malcolm X when I was 17. After I read that book, <clears throat> I went from that to Brother Dex, and from Brother Dex, I started just, I went from that to militancy, to revolutionary, started, and it went outside of rap, because we started listening to the last poets, the Honorable Gil Scott Heron, all of them who gave, uh, that's where it started, who gave the revolution to the rap artists, we, we were the next, we were the children of the Black Panthers and the, the Gil Scott Herons and all of those. So rap became kind of a offshoot of that. So after that, it became, to me, that's when NWA, Chuck D, Public Enemy, Blastmaster, KRS-One, oh man, and, and then graduated up to that, that's when I got even more conscious in militant, I got some consciousness with my militancy. I started, you know, then really vibing off pop. I got more into my West Coast roots got into the DJ Quigs, Ice Cubes, and it was just all West West for me at that point. And to this day, 
I have to say, when we say the golden era of rap, we got some new cats out there, but I start, I got to be honest with you, I stopped listening to rap probably after mid-2000 because that backpack era, skinny jeans and all that era, that kind of <laughs> jacked me up, man. I mean, we weren't talking about nothing, you know? So when, when the conscious <laughs> left, the mumble rap came in and it just messed it up for you, boy. But we got some people out there on the underground scene, like my boy B Dot, who's all on the uh, the freestyle, the freestyle search for URLs and all those. They are kind of bringing rap back because it comes from the underground. It gives you the consciousness. It gives you the militancy and all of that. So, and a lot of like my gentleman Josh said, the uh, Kendrick Lamar's, the J Cole's, they got a, they got you know, they trying to get it back. But if we don't hurry up and get it back, man, we can lose it. Just like we lost the blues, just like we lost rock and roll. If we get we give this up, man, it can go the other way and it can go fast. Hey, that's why we wanted to have you guys on, man. We wanted you guys to kick some knowledge, man. And um, we knew that if we had a collection of of artists and a collection of years from from 16 years old. Rocky to um, in there somewhere in their 50s to Rocky, right? We knew that we would have some good uh, discussion, man. And um, I, I don't want to jump. I don't want to jump on on Rocky's on Rocky's uh, on, on uh, thoughts on um, what motivated him, why he got started, um, his influences. So if you're there, um, please chime in before before I I go too deep. Sorry. Uh, so for me, I would say I got really into rap music through most of my family. Like my parents, cousins, they always used to play it around me. So I don't know the difference. Sometimes I heard of E2, who's a lot of OGs in the game. And I feel like at, at a certain point, me hearing this song, I spent on uh, that like in rap. So that's when I say at like age 11 or age 10, I got into the Lil Wayne's and the future and, you know, just all the, all the, the younger people that came from the older generations and really like took rap to a different level in my eyes. But um, I feel like rap definitely has changed a lot over the years. Like from its origins in the 80s and 70s to now, a lot of things have definitely changed. And not all of them, I will say, have been good changes in my eyes, but I feel like it's a it's a, it's something that's always gonna be evolving. Because I'm there's always gonna be a new sound or a new type of music or a new just different rendition of rap. Like I feel like now more than ever, there are so many subgenres in rap itself. Instead of it being just one direct thing, you have so many different types and twists on it that people put on themselves. And that's something I really appreciate now. But yeah, I've just always had an attraction to it. And I decided that I wanted to start making them of my own. And it brings me a lot of joy. It's very fun to do. It's a great way to express yourself. So it's something I really fell in love with. Wow, and um, you just recently dropped some music yourself, right? I know that I was talking about Verb's uh, latest uh, recent uh, release, but you you dropped some music recently as well, right? Yes, I did. It's my uh, album, On the Chase. 
just dropped it on July 10th with my colleague, Nono the Star. I engineered the whole thing. I mixed and mastered it myself. It took a it took a little while, but we got it out. Now I'm just working on marketing and pushing it the proper way. That's what's up. 16 years old, Dave. Yes. Remind me of uh, remind me of Blacklist, but you know, back in back in the day. Um, you know, this this show, uh, Caleb and I are here every week, and, and we can we can talk for on and on and on. And so we don't want to make this show about uh, this episode about anything about us. But I gotta confess, um, uh, Blackfish, you mentioned you know rewriting lyrics. Run DMC were all about my Adidas, so uh, Caleb and I we were rocking British Nights. Um, one of our first raps that we actually performed, I think we performed it on the block. The hook was uh, something, I was born son of Suleiman, brother of Sal, right? And y'all remember where that's from. Placing yep. names with family members. Um, uh, it's Pacoima, it's Pimp Coima, not Pacoima. The rhymes are Gumby's, the lies of your mama, you know, something we were saying. And so, can I cut him off, man? I mean, can I pull the? Can I grab the mic, man? Come on, man. Come on. Messing up or switching the lyrics because we were really about the performance of it, right? And so, um, so I remember that. Uh, You mentioned LL. I remember one of the first right after LL dropped "I Need Love," one of the first Mm -hmm. slow rap cuts. We came back with um, I don't remember the name of it, but you know. It was it was that same kind of flow off of uh, a big rocks uh, beat machine, you know something just a few days ago. I was on the phone talking to my girl, but I was all alone, you know, just <laughs> trying to replicate that flow. It was, it. it was imitation was the highest form of flattery because we were just trying to do what the big artists were doing. As we got comfortable, you know, being on stage, being a presence, stepping outside of ourselves, um, and so forth, and. And, and so I, I say all that to say, each of you have painted a picture as to, as uh, 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 Big Rock pointed out from the movie Brown Sugar, how you fell in love with hip hop, right? What brought you into the industry? But the industry's changed, right? I remember in, in 82, when Grandmaster Flash re- uh, released the message, it was, a, it was a message to black folks. It was a message to a culture of people grabbing on from where Gil Scott Haran left off, grabbing on from where the Black Panthers left off. Because as you said, Black Fist, we were the children of that party, right? There's even a movie that's uh, it's called uh, Bastards of the Party, right? So we're the yeah. broken children right. of a party that never finished its mission, right? right. And so, but the, the industry has changed. And, and now I want to just take a back seat and look to you guys, because when we got in, it was a different time than when you got in it. And even... Blackfist mentioned it went from, you know, Thames and Jabos to skinny jeans and, and, and the whole nine. So how's the, what's the music industry look like for you today? What's driving the music industry? Anybody? Um, I, I just take all, I mean, I just kind of want to kind of put it some of it in perspective. Um, you know, when, when hip hop evolves, it's a music that comes from the streets. Um, you know, it, it's a music that is developed by people who don't necessarily have, um, musical skill uh, as far as playing instruments what have you um so you know sampling was the way that it, that it went um and like i say the big influences back then you know was r&b music you know funk music um which finds the basis of almost every record you can find 
uh, you know, even James Brown back in, you know, from the set, uh, from the seventies, you know, payback and all that stuff. When he kind of changes and, and, and rebuilds what you see now as modern music and the bridge and the hook, you know, and, and the theory of the one, all that stuff starts off back there. Um, but you find people looking to express themselves during that point. It was non-commercial, just party rocking, people getting together. They're in the ciphers doing what have you. Um, you know, by the time I see it, you know, it's gotten a little more commercial. Sugar Hill Gangs got there, you know, and these people are being put on and being marketed like bands. Um, so, you know, it was all about the DJs back then, you know, the cool Hercs and what have you. Uh, DJ Grandmaster Flash, these guys are pushing the music and the rappers are kind of like the guys are just kind of backing them up because they've been party rocking out there. So you see it can kind of build. Later, when we started to see the strength in hip hop and you start seeing, you know, Run DMC, you know, Eric B and Rakim, these very LL Cool J, you're talking about where the business has really evolved and brands are now being sold. When you go out and you can go to a bag, I'm dating myself, but you go back to a record store like a Tower Records, if you were just emerging in hip hop, you can pick on those names, the NWA, the LL Cool J's, the, you know, Eric B. Rakim's, and kind of buy that brand, the Dr. Dre's, the Snoop's. Those were brand names that you can buy and understand what type of music that you can get from that, right? And just like I talk about this a lot, you know, people who know me, I, I talk a lot about how the music industry really got uh, influences this, is the record companies themselves <laughs> begin to break the brands down. So once they begin to break the brands down to individuals, then the artists had no power and no marketing ability. So part of what you see in the garbage in hip hop has not all to do with just the artists putting out anything, is but because the record companies are controlling what's going on. So it's kind of like, vaudeville you know you jump on the stage you say your act get off the stage they don't want brands anymore you can't really go to spotify and pick out i mean there's j cole there's drake you know what you're getting those are a few brands that are left but now you have you know okay juice world okay has you go how long is it gonna be around a couple of years ago people were trying to tell me designer was gonna be out because he had to pan the song he ain't heard nothing else from him you know uh in the south you got little bootsy they got a big following down there but it's on the yeah. underground but it's difficult to build big brands anymore because the way the rec music industry is. Also, this is the last point, because I don't want to go on too long, but we talked about the golden era hip hop. And to me, as a DJ, it happens because of music. So like we said, going back to the 19, uh, early 80s, right? It's based off all R&B, strong songs uh, that are out there that people are already dancing to in the clubs and people are rapping over those songs. Then you see the beginning of sampling and that's when the Lindrum you know, basically comes in and you're able to sample a few beats and you get the boom back. You know, I don't know if you can hear that, me, you know, but you hear that going on and that's all the stripped down music that you hear in hip hop, you know, with the Schoolie D's and what have you, using the Lindrum, the Rolling 505, the Rolling 909, when you hear electro hop, um, you know, some of my favorite music going back in the day, um, you know, the Cybertron, Technicolor, that's where the break dancers were all dancing. That's the rolling 909. Then you get the SP 1200 and you start finding, okay, NWA. You start finding, you know, KRS-One. That's all the SP 1200. But in 1990, something really happened that really changes. When Akai comes out with the MPC 2000, music changes. So when you get Dr. Dre, when you get Snoop, when you get all, the music becomes melodic and it stops being that stripped down even Eric B and Rakim is still kind of boom back. 
and it's not really have evolved yet. But then all of a sudden you start getting Dre putting full hooks on with Michelle, right? Not only are are we hip hop heads into it, you know, but you start hearing your parents going around and they singing, rolling down the street, smoking and right. No. It's like, oh exactly. They love it, right? You catch go to the barbershop, these old heads, right? They old us now, they probably be in their eighties. They bobbing the head going, man, I can deal with this, right? <laughs> they got the Snoop on, you know, you get um, Nate Dogg coming in and he's starting to, you know, sing these nice, long, mellow hooks, things that you can dance to and all that. So music really changes during the 90s because of the technology and the way that music goes. By the time you get to 2010, after like Nelly and what have you, you know what, we're on repeat now because they killed R&B, they killed our inspiration. They killed black culture because black culture became pop culture, right? So there is no pop music anymore. These are called MC Hammer pop, but there's no pop music. It's all black music. It's pop music. So now from that point, everything you've heard since then, it's just us repeating our same ideas. And again, the field is so crowded and record companies aren't interested. Even now artists put themselves out, it's too hard to be heard and build a brand because there's just too much noise out there. Uh, in the mix. That's just my opinion as a DJ. I'm gonna put a pin on you right there, Rock. Uh, who else? I mean, you said a lot of a lot of hard hitting things. I, I would love to hear somebody chime in on any of them. Hey, uh, let me just say this, man. Regarding what Rock said, I don't even. I forgot Nelly even did music until Rock just reminded me, man. I mean, shoot, <laughs> man. I, I forgot Nelly did music, man. That that cat is sitting on so much money. You know, I forgot he did music. Who who else got something to add or uh, could add to what Rock said? Rock touched on Rock touched on uh, the musical production side of where hip hop is from, and he he articulated that excellent. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna grab that bucket or grab that ball from the social construct of hip hop and where hip hop came from, and how not only because Rock says something early on, it wasn't it wasn't even really a really about money. And rappers didn't make it about money uh, because during that time, they were so, the, the, the powers that be were so entrenched in trying to stop hip hop because it was galvanizing the minds of the young people. And, it, and you could tell how socially rap was evolving on a parallel line with how the, the social construct of this country was going, right? So they wasn't, rappers wasn't so much trying to monetize off of it as they were trying to get their message, trying to get a message out back then. You know, it wasn't so much about even the beat. Cause like Rock said, you back then it was just a boom bap, boom bap. KRS one didn't when he first came, Blastmaster didn't really have no no really orchestrated beats back then, nor did uh run DMC and a lot of them until you know as time progressed, yes. But when the when the society and the powers that be tried to downplay rap and try to put their foot on the necks of rap, they started seeing the power of rap because commercialism became in the rap when they started uh, monetizing it with commercials, Sprite, Coca-Cola, and all these companies and all these uh, Fortune 500 companies started seeing the money in rap and how big, why? Because it had a huge fan base of young people. That's when rap started getting monetized and then rappers got smart they became a brand and they on even even the people like to chuck d's who 
with the Professor Griffs and the S1Ws and Glassmaster KRS-One and uh, other milit so-called militant rappers back then, even X-Clan, let me say, even X-Clan were scaring a lot of the record industries, mm -hmm. but their message was so strong and it galvanized so many people, they couldn't, the, the head, the power heads in the industry couldn't ignore it. They, they could only sit down on Chuck D for so long, but Chuck D not only had lyrics, he had charisma. He had, he had, he had, you know how they say in the industry, you, you're a 360 artist when you could do a triple threat, when you a triple threat. Well, Chuck D and them, they were all triple threats before we even knew what a triple threat was. Lyrics, consciousness, and the charisma to, and by charisma, I mean the ability to pull people in to hear their message. You feel me? So yeah. rap, came a long way, piggybacking off what John said as far as the musical aspect, but also the social aspect as well, came a long way. Yes. Can I, can right, I jump in real quick? Go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna piggyback off what Dex is saying. Um, you know, since I've seen both sides, um, I kind of miss when rap was a little dangerous, you know? Um, Nowadays, I think rap is just, for me personally, I think rap and rappers is just too friendly. Like, I think as somebody that's actually, you know, has friends in the industry, you know, more entrenched than I am, because we're a rather independent outfit, because we do everything in-house ourselves, even though our album did come out, it's a, on an independent label, but under Sony um, overseas. But that's why, for me, the game is oversaturated with a lot of, it's a lot of phoniness, you know? Like I, I've been in writing sessions. It just, it's just, it seems everything is so manufactured. Like nowadays, everything is is so commercial to the point where it's like it's almost sickening if you're a real fan of the culture and the art. Like, like I said, like we talked about, like like Josh was saying, like with Project Blow, like we went through the gauntlet. Like if you wasn't if you weren't hot, like it, it was gonna be real. Like they was gonna let you hear it. Like you was gonna get chopped up. Now we got so many different blogs and so many different people from the outside trying to, I'm like, this dude is whack. Like, oh, well, you know, it's just, it's all perspective. And this is like, nah, that's not holding up. There was like a, I'm not saying we need to have a decency council, but there was a, a rather like a vocal majority that'd be like, nah, man, like this dude is not hot. Like, bro, you're not getting on here spitting them whack rhymes, not happening. Like you got to come correct, get your bars up and then you can get on stage. Nowadays, if, if your packaging is right in a commercial sense, like they handing you the mic off top. So like, that's why when people be like, I tell them, I'm like, yeah, I do music. They, they, of course, they go, first thing they'll say, they be like, oh, because that's everybody does music nowadays. But then they like, oh, bro, you really can rap. And I'm like, yo, there's only one way to rap for me. Like, I don't feel good if I don't put it down. It, I, I'll write something and I'll go in there and be like, yo, this 16's not hot. This is a, this is a throwaway. This was just practice. Cause I, can, I can't come like that on, on the mic. I can't do that. But, but I've been in sessions where cats would be like, I, I hear it and I'm looking like, like, bro, you really go rap that? Like, oh, I ain't tripping. Like, it's deadline. We just go turn it in. And then, and then, and then you got A and R's. You got label. They cool with it. They like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He knocked out seven tracks in three days. I'm looking like, but was it quality? Like, where was the quality control? Like, what's going on? Like, like I'm not. I don't feel comfortable yeah. playing that. Okay. Like me, me when I'm playing around my partners and stuff, it's a certain like, it's a certain level of like effort. You can hear the effort, and I think that's what's missing. Like the soul of the music is gone. Like when I hear all them old tracks with Chuck D. Karras, you could feel the passion radiating through the speakers. Like you know what I'm saying? So. Like, it, it, ask anybody who's an engineer. It's, it, it's people, you hear them rap, and I hear they raw, they raw vocals, and I'm like, damn. 
Like, dude, don't even sound like he really sound like when you once once they they add this to it, they add that. You got auto tune, they transposing this, they pitch shifting that, they doing this, and it's like it's already set up like that. <laughs> they take they take his vocals and hit a a, a a button, and it's already pre-programmed. Just it's like, oh, you want this? You want this compression on your vocals? You want that? You want? That? I'm like, nah, man, I, I don't want that. Like, nah, it gets so bad. Cats can't even perform without it. So they got their own, like they need their whole setup just to, it's so manufactured manufactured and packaged. And like we went through the process this time and I loved it because I love the professionalism and I'm thankful that we had graphic designers and folks that's like calling us and approving stuff. But I'm like, like this is really to get, like it, it got to the point where it get kind of annoying because it's like, I get it, but like let's, mic check one, two, let's get down to the raps. Let's get down to business. That's what I, I didn't come here for all the other stuff and all the pre, like let's, let's rap, like let's get busy. And, and, and then you get to the point where you see it in the game and I see it and I'm like, whoa. I said, so like as an artist, like it's all manufactured, the Drakes and once you get to that high level. And I think that's where, where rap has definitely changed. Like some of these dudes really can't rap and some of these dudes don't even write their own raps. Yeah, that's like Al B. Shore, right? When Al B. Shore came out and he tried to come out as a as a as a as an R&B artist and then he he needed to perform live and people were like man i'll be sure i can't sing right because all of it was auto tunes and and bringing it back to rap rappers used to hold each other accountable right and what i what i hear you saying is there's no accountability like if 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 you can't if you couldn't flow then someone was going to tell you but nowadays it's not about that at all not about that at all not to cut you off but i want to say one thing before i go off off of this topic uh, an OG told me, uh, engineer, he was like, you got so many rappers, we missing out on fans. Like, <laughs> like, like you got dudes who genuinely would not listen to you. They'd be like, oh, you know, I rap too. And I'm like, bro, like, uh, like, I get it. I encourage you, six, do a 16 a day and get your bars up. But you need to sit back and listen. Like, I miss the fact that, like, when I talk to other MCs and we can go back, like, how we was doing, talking about artists who inspired us. But then I talk to cats who don't even, they don't even have that, that fundamental knowledge of hip-hop. They're like, well, who, who, who is Lord Finesse? Who is Pete Rock? Who is DJ Premier? I'm like, like, you don't know who Primo is? Like, you don't even know, like, like, you don't know Egyptian Lover? You don't know all this, like, like, Battle Cadence? Like, you don't know none of, like, these are, like, fundamental, like, X's and O's. And I hear people, and I have friends that do other genres, and they be like, yeah, you know, I grew up listening to The Doors, and, you know, my, my, my mom, we grew up Aerosmith and stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. They talking, going back and forth. And I'm getting with my rap heads, and I'm like, well, who'd you? They can, bear, they can just name who's the hottest artist right now. It's like, I don't have that foundation. It's a few young cats that do, but you can hear it. You can hear it. When they say, my, my parents grew up, I grew up around this or that. I'm like, oh, you could. And then they, and they say, all right, well, let me spit. And you hear the freestyle. And you're like, yep, you definitely grew up around that. Like, you could, you could hear it. I could hear it. Like, oh, yeah, this dude is seasoned. Like, you a young cat. You 16, 17, but you, you, a, you a vet already. Like, your mind is already, like, in the 90s, in that golden era. You can hear it in your, your raps. Like, so... It's, 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 I'm, I love hip hop and I'm hoping for the better, but some of the stuff I just look at it, I hear it and I just be shaking my head. Like, and I'm not even, I, I get clowned all the time by some of my, my young, my younger partners. They be like, man, you an old head. I'm like, I'm a, like, I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm spoiled too, though. I said, I'm spoiled on all that good, that good rap, like that good music. And then I introduce them to some of that stuff and they be like, man, yeah, yeah, it is it. Like, yeah, it is. It's just I like, see, um, I it, see it, Josh, yeah, like, um, go ahead. I'm just, I'm sorry, but it, speaking on, piggybacking off what Verb just said, Water Down Rap didn't just start with Takashi 69 Yeah. You got to understand that, what was those two twin dudes named with the little dress and, and they got oh, glasses really? out? 
for Millie Vanilli. They got blasted out because they wasn't even singing their songs. It was all already just on tape or whatever, right? So watered down rap has been a problem even before them. I mean, I call it mirror imaging. When we get somebody big in the game, if they can't, remember when we first started, as I said, how we lost rock and roll. We lost the blues. We didn't lose it per se, but they got somebody else to come in to, to be the quote unquote white king of that. Elvis wasn't the king of rock and roll over uh, uh, your, your boy who just passed. Little Richard, who started. Little, little, little Richard. Richard. Not yeah, even Chuck, so much. Chuck, yeah. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Berry and all of them. Okay, yeah, yeah. so even in rap, I can Tina Turner, you know, they, they tried to hit us with third base. Now, third base was cool, but they wasn't lyrically, they weren't lyrical geniuses. And then when Hammer came, you remember, Hammer was one of the biggest things out there. But what did they do? They had to go get the vanilla ice, so they had this mirror <laughs> imagery thing going on, even back then, as a means of taking the art form from black people and rap has been fundamentally birthed by black people. I don't care what other nationality get in the rap. But, and it goes on today, going back up to Takashi 69, and that goes back into, yes, it's watered down. Rap is watered down, lyrically. Now, we have to divide, we have to categorize rap now. We have to categorize the fan base. We have to categorize the people that's monetizing it. Because the same, the people that's making money off Takashi Six Nine don't necessarily like the Chuck D's or uh, mm -hmm. the J Coles or or, or or the Kendrick Lamar's. Now, you got these are street. You got to remember who built Takashi Six Nine. Mm -hmm. Street dudes in New York put Takashi Six Nine on. Mm -hmm. They when you start glorifying the gang life and then putting that into your music, you know it's getting watered down. Because 99.9% .9 of these so-called thugs up in the industry ain't popped a pistol gun. That's it. <laughs> and that's no, I gotta, I gotta, I have to create a safe space. Let me let me put a pin in and 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 shift. Josh, I really want to hear, as a brother of Latin descent, um, hearing what Blackfist comments just were about the history and the culture and where rap music came from. Um, as a, as a brother of Latin descent, where does that? How do you feel about that? Do you agree? Uh, just share your thoughts on that. Sure. I mean, that's obviously the truth. But I think sometimes we also overlook the fact that, you know, in the very beginning, there was also Latinos involved. There was Puerto Ricans. You know, it wasn't just straight black folks yeah. that, that were doing yeah. it. Puerto Ricans as well, you know. So it's, it's always been a collaborative effort, so to speak, you know. Um, and, and yeah, man, I just, to what everybody's saying, there's so much truth, man. There's just no more substance, no more soul in the music, at least, you know, the stuff that's on the radio. You know, um, I've gone to shows where, you know, people to this day are, are lip syncing. You know, they're, they're you know, you, you hear they're recording their vocals in, in, in the background, right? They're, they're just lip syncing. They're not even rapping. And it's just like, man, I paid money for this. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, you know? And, and even some of these I'm not going to name drop, but some of these, you know, <laughs> very talented artists right now that, you know, are, are holding it down. But, you know, some of their opening acts are, are trash, man. You know what I mean? You could tell it's just a label that, that they're trying to push these, these other cats that really have no business sharing the stage with, with some of these giants, you know what I mean, that, that are really holding it down. And I'm just like, man, I'm just blown away, you know, some of these shows that I've
gone and, and the cats that I want to go see, right? These headliners that, that, are, that are bringing it and it's just some of these other cats that are opening up for them that is like, man, it's Millie Vanilli all over again, you know, lip syncing, just, you know, it's, it's nuts, man. Well, let me take it here. Uh, so uh, thank you, Josh. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, one of the things we always want to do is, you know, give people a chance to speak their truth. If you're not willing to speak your truth, hit in on your, on your screen right now, because that's what we're here for. Um, but uh, Big Bad Rack, so you're 16. That puts your birth somewhere around 2003, 2004, depending on what month you were born in. Um, you were born 13, 14 years, or let's, I won't even give it that much. Let's say 10 years or so after what we've been talking about as the golden age of hip hop. Um, and what you've heard all of us really speak about is the decline of the influence, the decline of the talent, the decline of the purpose, the watering down of the message. And as someone who was born after that and really just started your rap career five or so years ago and has just released an, a, a, your, own, uh, your own single, your own album, what do you say to that? How do you feel about you know, hearing these old heads um, discuss that in an era where this is where you're just now getting started. How do you feel about that? Uh, to be honest, like going back to what Verb said, there's, there's, there's a lot of truth to it. A lot of people nowadays are not really in it for the music. I feel like a lot of people are in it just because everybody wants to be a rapper. Everybody sees the gold chains and the girls and the money and everybody feels like that's what they want to get at. And I feel like like what they have been saying, like the soul of the music has been lost somewhat. I still feel like there are definitely a lot of people holding it down and putting their creative to the max and, 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 you know, changing the sound of it. But it is a real thing. Like I know people, age, I feel like sometimes people don't even take artists my age seriously because they feel like they're just doing it just to do it. Like they're not really about the music. They're just doing it to put up a facade. And it's a very real thing. I believe that. But I also believe that with this new age of technology and software, it has allowed rap to come to a new level. I feel like the, the level of creativity, the production is definitely at its peak right now. Like it's, it's, it's the beats that are going around, the crazy producers that we have, like Pierre Bourne, Metro Boomin, it's just, they've changed the game so much and really took rap to another level in my eyes. You know, there's a lot of fakes, but there's a lot of real to it in some, areas if, if i could jump back in real quick you know um that's that's real man there's so many cats that are extremely talented now that that aren't you know aren't necessarily mainstream blow up you know that that you could argue they're taking the game to a whole nother level you know you, you you look at people like crooked eye you look at you know tech nine you're like man these guys man they'll they'll your head will blow just listening to to their lyrics right. man, the way they spit. it's it's insane man you, you've got the chino excels of the world there's there's a lot of great music that that's still being made to this day and and in a lot of ways they're taking it to a whole nother level it's just you know unfortunately that's that you know they're not getting the shine that, that they deserve on a, on a mainstream level you know what i mean they're they're not all over the mainstream radio and, and because of the politics and and, and what have you because like we, we've already mentioned, you know, it may not be profitable in the eyes of these, um, you know, uh, CEOs that are running these, you know, conglomerate, you know, music, you know, international labels and stuff. And, and they don't want to hear the truth. They just want to try to sell whatever they think is, is, is marketable. And that's, you know, 
you know, people objectifying women, that's, you know, people, you know, uh, self-destroying themselves, you know, getting, getting high, getting drunk and, 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 and preaching violence. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, in a lot of ways, it's, it's very telling of, of our society, man. You know, when you're constantly pushing that, these messages about destroying each other, you know what I mean? We're not building each other up, man. And, and when you're in the hood and that's all you listen to, like, man, it, it, yeah. it has an impact psychologically, right? At some point you start to believe that you listen to something so much. It's like, damn, that's what it is. You know what I mean? And, and, and right. I, guess I have to sell drugs or I guess I have, you know, women are this or that, or, you know, my, my value as a man is defined by my wealth or, or, or what have you. And it's just a lot of, a lot of ideals that are just destructive, man, but definitely a lot of amazingly talented artists nowadays that definitely deserve a lot more shine in my opinion that's real but i also feel like like labels in the media also they they go the extra mile just to push that that exactly. aspect of rap that exactly. you know objectifying women they believe that is what sells and that is what you have said but like is this a very real thing they just push the things that they believe will sell and i feel like that kind of does tarnish tarnish rap's name because it's not authentic it's just like it's like it's just being made just to sell. It's not being made from the heart. It's not being made from the soul. It's not being real, you know? Yeah, Josh, were you mentioning Crooked Eye from West Coast, Crooked Eye? Yeah. Yes. Okay, Crooked Eye been around. Crooked Eye ain't new. Been around for a while. Yeah, Crooked Eye ain't new. Crooked Eye is us. And, 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 yeah. and, and just to go <laughs> off what you were saying, Crooked Eye is dope. Let's just understand. He is lyrical. <laughs> we don't got that now. And he did a song with KRS-One, it's fire. I, I can't even name, I can't even remember the name of the song, but him and KRS-One did a duet song together. That's dope within dope. Somebody can Google it after this thing here, but man, Crooked Eye is dope. We don't have that, that's the problem. We have a few J. Coles, um, Kendrick Lamar, you know, they, they lyrical, they're, they're dope, you know, but it's not enough. So when we say rap is watered down, because you, you may say, well, no, rap is one of the biggest selling uh, platforms in music. And it is. Because, again, look who is galvanizing. Rap, why do you think youth in Europe, youth all across this globe is identifying with the plight of Black America today? It ain't because they've been looking at TV or looking at the movies. They like rap. It's rap music that's got these young people all over the world identifying what's going on with the black plight over here in America today. Even what's going on now in this social climate right now that's going on, you got those very same people. And talk about the clown that we talked about earlier and Kanye West, how he can go from one extreme to the other. I'm telling you, that is just beyond me. Mm. Because yeah. when he first came out, he was quote unquote kind of conscious. Yeah. Am I right, Rock? Yeah, well, he, he, yeah, he positioned himself that way as, as a conscious person. But again, you know, the commercialism takes over everybody. Exactly. I, I mean, I think one of the things that we you know we touched on, it really, I think, is what's going to save the music is getting people who love the music back in control of the music. So, you know, when you look, like I said, when you look at music in itself, you know, I, I was actually explaining to my kids, you go back and you look at, like I said, it's going way back, but like you look at jazz, right? The people who did jazz and blues, those guys held each other accountable. You had to have your A game to come play with somebody, right? Mm -hmm. So when you get along and rap music comes out, even though the generations are changing, 
the R&B artists who were the kings at that time were telling the rap artists, hey, man, if you're going to do this, you need to come out and be able to speak to your audience, hold your audience, tell a story, and not just come out and say anything. So, of course, we used to get, like I say, I remember the first time I ever really kind of performed is, again, we were doing the same thing. Steve and I were making raps that were based kind of on Run DMC, but we went down to the uh, to Skateland USA on the laundry in Compton, right? They have the, the uh, K-Day's giving the rap contest and they're giving away record contracts. And we went all the way down there and, you know, they're throwing quarters at people on the stage because they can't rap. Mm. But I got up there and did my part anyway because my thing was I couldn't, I needed to know that I could step on stage and perform irregardless of what would happen. If they were going to throw the quarters at me, then so be it. If they was going to boo me off the stage, so be it. So when I got the chance to get the bike, I got up and spit my part. Everybody else didn't get up and spit their part. But I had to know that. I'm not a person, I'm not a battle rapper. I'm not a uh, a person who would go out and just do cyphers all, you know, any time, whatever. most of the time I'm DJing. But when I had to pick up the mic, I got to be able to hold your own because that was the expectation of hip hop in the time that we grew up. I think what's happening is this, young people is not their fault. They were introduced to a person called Soldier Boy, right? Mid 2000, I think it was 2010, whatever it was. This gentleman comes out, makes a song or maybe two songs and makes over a couple million dollars, right? right? He really, yeah, so, so basically with their ideas, man, all you make one hit. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I used to hate the song until I like the dances the kids do off of it. The dances were ridiculous, right? But the song itself, there's nothing to the song. It's just a little party record song. But ever since then, people have been trying to make that just one hit. So the people who are in A&R, like you're talking about Verb, the people who are in the position to release music no longer love the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think it's about a culture thing because when you go back and look at jazz, a lot of jazz is funded by people who are non-African uh, Americans. They have they're putting their yeah. money into it, but they have a love for the music, so they make the blues go. They they look to get the quality on stage. You see the same thing with R and B. You can look at you know the, the Clive uh, Davises who are looking for the artists, what have you, and they're greenlighting the people. And these people really have, you know, they really have the stuff. Now, when you go and you look at who who who's running the mod, the modern music industry, you can't even say you can go back into the '90s. We got Jimmy Iovine, right? Mm-hmm. Who again is outside the culture, but he understands enough of the culture to put the people on who care and they can really do the music. Now, today, because we're putting ourselves on, everybody can just get on. We can drop a track. We can end up on Spotify. We can end up on Tidal. Everybody's not going through the process. They're not going up and showing up and saying, hey, man, maybe I need to go to a, uh, a live show and see if my stuff works, mm-hmm. right? Um, the last point, because I don't want to get too long, I want to make about it is this. So they, they hold each other accountable, like Verb talked about, the disappearance. But the other thing I want to talk about is this, is because it's like the dismemberment of everything. So when you see Black radio being dismembered, this is when you see the death of, hip-hop, you see that even though they weren't really portrayed as hip-hop, we had 1580K Day, which got disbanded by Mike Glipman, who decided to sell the station on some BS. But on top of that, you're talking about when hip-hop was at its infancy, KJLA wouldn't play it, KJFJ wouldn't play it, 
you know, 92.3 would barely play it. I went to an interview with uh, Rick Dees, okay, because I wanted to be a radio DJ. And he told me out and out, we will not play hip hop because we are America's Top 100, refused to play that, right? Three years later, Hammer had the number one record in America and he had to play it. Had to play it. Mm-hmm. He okay, had to sure. play it. Yeah. So, right. you know, even in Hammer in his dance style, right? They were trying to refuse that because we knew that we weren't going to see no PE. We're not going to see no Public Enemy. We weren't going to see no LL. We weren't see anything worthwhile back in the time. So when you see the dismemberment of just black radio and everything exploding into individualism, right now, if you go to a party, you can't even tell who's listening to what. Yeah. Everybody's so, in their own thing. That's real. We we got about, uh, about I'm going to call it 13 minutes left in this. So I'm, I'm going to make a right. statement. Um, and I want to, uh, I want to just hear you guys bounce off of it for a minute and then we're going to try to wrap this thing up. Um, what I will say before that, um, Caleb, we're going to have to do a part two on this because there's so much farther that this could go, um, uh, offline. I'm going to get it with, get with each of you about your schedules and let's see how soon we can get back up in here. But let me make this statement. Um, uh, and I'm going to chime off some things that all of you have said when, when, you look at the late 70s, early 80s, uh, as we're building up to this golden era of, of music, um, it was about rap music. When I was trying to do my thing, I wasn't a hip hop artist, I was a rapper, right? And uh, Dex, uh, uh, Blackfish, you, you talked about, uh, as we got into the Dre era with the hooks and the Nate Dogs and the melodic tones and so forth and so on, we transitioned out of rap which was more of a cultural phenomenon into a pop music crossover where it became hip hop. So my question is this, was that the death of rap? And if it was, is it still dead or is it making a comeback? Go. No, not if you're using Dre as the barometer because uh, when Dre, you got to remember, before Dre, before West Coast became the, the epicenter of hip hop, it was New York. Every every ge- region or geography era had their time to shine, so to speak. New York had theirs. Then it became West Coast. Dre, what Dre brought to the table didn't dilute rap at all. It enhanced it because it gave the West Coast version of conscious, gangsterism, and it gave it took us old school with the advent of bringing in that funk, that P-funk, that George Clinton, and that old school uh, funk that we've been missing. So with the advent of the West Coast, even, uh, what's the dude's name out of Long Beach? Um, Oh my God. Snoop Dogg. Huh? No, not Snoop. The, uh, the, 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 um, oh my God. The brother had uh, old school, old school little beat up on this thing. But he had one or two singles, and he was out of Long Beach. I can't think of his name now, but I said that to say this. That with the advent of Dr. Dre's style and what Dre brought to the table, and then it went over to uh, Nate Dogg and to his, his brother with G-Funk and all of them. That just, oh, yeah. that just enhanced that, that, actually, that actually made rap even more profitable because we, the West Coast, then dictated to what every other region had to do. New York style change. New York wouldn't use no six foes in their video at that time. Six foes, they was rocking Timberlands. 
<laughs> but but West Coast, we changed the we actually changed the game. Mm -hmm. It went from New York switching up, then it went to the South. The South started getting some gangsterism in their little thing, even started doing little drive-bys. They took the whole gangster philosophy and mantra and started and embedding it into their music. So I don't think what Dre did diluted it. I think it enhanced it. What diluted rap started to dilute rap, and I'm gonna end it with this, is that we got away from from substance and we got more into not so not the hard hit John thing because John is more on the music than the DJ side. John needs this the beat because what and John's classification he's in the club scene and if you ain't got a banging beat you ain't gonna be in no you ain't gonna be a profitable DJ. So John needs that type of music. But like Minister Farrakhan said, I'm gonna use this as an example when he talked about the, the uh, advent of the revolution, we need them all. We need the socially conscious rapper. We need the militant rapper. We need the gangster rapper. We need the pop rapper. We need it all. Even the little soft scrubby rappers. We need it all because all together it encompasses what rap can do and what rap can be. But if we only getting that one element, that watered down, non-conscious, ain't teaching type rap, it's only going to dilute it because then the people with the money is going to start filtering that money to that segment of rap. It's going to forget about the conscious. Mm -hmm. And this, that's going to take us to part two because then that's going to get into the monetization and the branding of rap where it went from Beats by Dre and all that. that that's, that's your title right there, man. Now, we ain't going to get into that because that's definitely a part two where rap didn't win. Well, I think um, I think rap was diluted with you what you just hit on, uh, uh, Black Fist, and that is the branding, kind of like sports. And and Verb said it earlier. He said, I think like artists are too friendly, right? And um, I think that like in sports, um, artists, I mean, uh, athletes used to try to go after each other, right? They used to try to take off, take someone's head, and now they're working out. They're working out in the off season. And um, and then you see in sports, branding became just as profitable as actually the, the sports contract. And in music, it's the same thing. They just need to get a hit song and then they could just do they could just tour for for a couple of years. Right. Yeah. And it's I think branding kind of um, watered it down so that you don't have to be a great artist you just need to have a song and be able to get on tour and be able to get a commercial and be able to sell some jeans or whatever else mm -hmm. those skinny jeans that bird was i mean <laughs> that, that yeah. black fist was talking about <laughs> right and then and then you're gone but something that y'all haven't talked about today is eminem because eminem he kind of embraced hip-hop oh no he embraced rap and he studied he studied with the greatest and he took that and then he flipped it and then he outsold everybody else that that had any pigmentation in their skin right and uh um and is is considered one of the all-time greatest greatest lyricists out there right. but is eminem part of that problem but yeah he, he is he is, but but yeah. but the thing is, but the thing is, is he calls it out. He he recognizes that though. Like when he does interviews, he'll say it. Like he, he'll say it. He, he he knows it's like that that like we were talking about Elvis earlier, right? 
Like Eminem acknowledges that. He's no, he he says it. He's like, I know some of the stuff I did in, in rap, I only was able to get away with it because I was white. You know, he knows that. He calls it out and he says that. You know, some of the antics and some of the, the wild stuff he was doing, he knows it's, it's about image. But the thing about Eminem, and I will say this, the thing with Eminem is, um, you know, Eminem cut his teeth in Detroit, the battle rap scene, and, you know, he know a lot of people, and he, he's a lyricist. He's not one of my favorite, personal favorite artists, not me personally, because I just don't relate to his music like that, me personally. No he could rap, though. He could rap. He could rap. Yeah, he could rap. But at the same time, I don't just be like, yeah, man, put that Eminem album on. That's just not me. Like, that, I might listen to it, run through it, and I'll be like, all right, that's cool. But I'll say this. The issue with hip hop, and I don't think that's Eminem's fault, and I don't even think it's the young people today's fault. It's like it's oversaturated with 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 nonsense. Like, it, I can handle a hammer. I can handle a dude that can't even rap that good if it's one or two of them, not everybody, you know? It shouldn't have to be you gotta find a diamond in the rough who's a real MC. Like, it should be, but I also understand. We, we, we wanna get up in that club and we want some, some music that bangs, you know, I get it. But it's at the point now where like, I hear a beat and I'll be like, ooh, and then the rapper come on, I'm like, oh. I'm like the, the beat is on point. The beat is hitting, but the dude he he not spitting on nothing. So it's like just like the DJs took a backseat to the rappers, now the produ the rappers are taking a backseat to the producers. You get what I'm saying? And and I will say this, real quick before I go. If one thing the internet is a gift and a curse, right? The internet has everybody wanting to be rappers, but I do love some of the new artists that are coming out. Like I listen to like Griselda, like Westside Gun and Conway. And uh, Benny the Butcher, like so, these are like MC MCs. They 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 would they like the equivalent to like the golden era type style and the raps. And it's and I love the fact that it's growing in popularity. But guess who put them on? Eminem did. You know what I'm saying? Just like Eminem put Crooked Eye on. He put Crooked Eye, Royce of Five Nine, uh, Joel Ortiz with the whole Slaughterhouse. Yeah, you might not be able to dance to it. And I know a lot of people get upset with Eminem because of that 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 like that Elvis component. But I do enjoy the fact that like. He using that star power to try to put some real spitters back in the game. You get what I'm saying? And putting some money behind him. So I respect that in that sense. So I feel like in the long run, it's wild to me. And I'm going to give you a real quick story. That's it. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I have a lot of cats in the industry that do music. And, and we talk about these things. And, and, you know, they go in depth about it. But it's nothing more disheartening when you finish an album that you put your, your sweat, your blood into. And then you got to turn it over to like a label boss i guess say whoever whoever's in charge of your campaign your the upper management and you sitting across the table from this dude and this dude ain't from nowhere from where you from he ain't got no kind of love for hip-hop you hand it to him they listen to it like well i don't know we need, we need a little more poppy we need a few more radio singles we need this that's what ruined the game like that's what messed the rap game up like the fact that like you got to clear all this stuff through some dude that don't even care about the culture at all and i think that's the worst feeling you like man this is the one. This is dope. I, I came with it. I'm getting respect from my peers. Everybody liking it. Let me turn it in. They say, "Oh, come in. We got to talk." The album it just it's too hip hop. It's not. It's too. It's too lyrical. It's too. Like, how do you get too much of what the the rap game is supposed to be about? And that's what's sad. And and that's what I'm saying. We gonna see what happened with Drake. But they talking about Drake. He might end up going independent, right? And they said it might crush a lot of these record labels. But it's like it got the power got to get back to the streets. Like we got to get back to the independent game, and we got to start getting out to these shows and supporting these young artists that are trying to make music and not just wait till they blow up. We got to get back to like supporting our own folks, regionally and on the on the international scene. Like 
when somebody coming out of Pacoima, you got to support, hey, man, that's my partner. Like, and, and you got to be one-on-one with the artists and put your weight behind those artists. So say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We go support you and we go get behind you. So that way you ain't got to make a, a skinny jean anthem or whatever you're talking about somebody making, you know? All right, Bird. Yeah, I'm going to cut you. Part two, um, we're going we gonna to pick that up. Um, I want to be real respectful for people's time. I like where you're going with that. Um, but we're about to transition that to a whole nother page. Um, and, and you too, Blackfist, where, we were, where you were going with that, I'm, I'm excited to see. Um, can I get a, a, a soft commitment? I, I won't hold anybody to it. I won't sue you. But uh, give me a thumbs up if you're willing to come back on a part two for this. We'll schedule it and make it happen for everybody. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so we like to close out the show with this. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds for you loquacious brothers out there. 30 seconds, if that. I just got one question for you. Um, what you listening to? Big Rock, what's the last thing you was listening to? Oh, well, there's a lot of things, but I'll just say real quick, my children have changed um, the music that I've listened to, obviously, to stay relevant. So they put me up on Gold Link, you know, NLE Chopper. I mean, you know, the young ladies are putting it down uh, nowadays in rap. They really are changing the game. Um, you know, Meg Thee Stallion, I don't really care for her, but, you know, again, they're hot. A lot of artists are coming out of the South. The Baby, Little Baby, there's a lot of people like that. I enjoy the beach. And, of course, Roddy Rich, because it's all driven by DJ Mustard. So, um, you know, uh, uh, YG, what have you. But I will do that, do this, because I only have a few seconds. I have to give the shameless plug. My son does have a single out right now. So if you uh, go on uh, any platform and type in Vibe Out, and Malik Javon, that's M-A-L-I-K-J-V-O-N, type in Cocoa Butter, you will find this single out there. Uh, they've been making noise down south in, in, in uh, Tennessee, got quite a few radio interviews, what have you. Song is nice. It's a, it, I think everybody would enjoy it. It's a good breakout to hip hop. And again, I really respect it because I didn't even know the kid was doing music. He went out and started jumping into uh, talent shows himself just to see if he could get out there and actually rap on stage. Right, so did it the right way instead of just sitting down in the production studio, just say, I'm gonna be a rapper, you know. So, but a nice little singer out there. So, look for Malik Javon looking to drop his album down uh, in November, November 2nd. So, he's got put some tracks down, and uh, we're looking for some big things from the kid. I knew I shouldn't have started with rock. You give a brother 30 seconds. <laughs> oh man, all good though. No, I, I, I appreciate the plug, and we definitely gonna put his information in the link. Um, That's what I'm listening to, man. Who's that? I was saying, Josh, what you listening to? Crooked, Tech Nine. Uh, I love People Under the Stairs. I'm a big Chino XL head. I mean, a lot of cats, man. Even the, the OGs like Freestyle Fellowship, mm-hmm. the whole Project Blow Collective. Man, I can't get enough of that stuff. All right. Uh, Black Fist, what you listening to? And I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not listening to anything after 2005. If I listen to hip hop, it's Tupac, it's West Coast, it's Quick, it's Chuck D, especially what's going on now. I even popped in my old album, Vengeance is Mine, because everything on that album is what's going on right now. We had war to they almost lost their leg. I mean, every, every track is like I could have did it today. So not hating on the new school stuff, but it don't move me. And mm-hmm. if it don't move me, I can't listen to it. I listen to old school R&B. Yeah, I was listening to Jodeci. So that's what I listen to, man. 
I'll be glad when I can listen to some new conscious rap. You know? Big Bad Racky, what you listening to, brother? Oh, man, there's so much to choose from. I like to uh, keep it diverse. You got to always show respect to the OG. So sometimes, you know, we'll go back and listen to some smooth. Dr. Dre, one of my idols, I say. But um, lately, I've been listening to a lot of, like, Xavier Wolf. A lot of people don't know about him. But I feel like he's definitely started the wave where, like, all these young independent rappers are coming out. He was the first to do it. Pierre Bourne, I just have so much respect for, like, producers that go out and rap by themselves and, you know, create their own sound. So, yeah, a lot of things like that. All right. Last but not least, Verb. What you listening to, brother? Uh, on a normal day, I listen to a little most Def. Right now, a lot of Griselda, Benny the Butcher. Uh, let me see. Uh, Conway the Machine, Benny the Butcher. I listen to Crooked Eye as well. Um, I, listen, I like Roddy Rich. I like some of the new cats coming out. J. Cole, Kendrick, school, a lot of Schoolboy Q. Uh, so all that black hippie stuff and all the stuff coming from TDE. Um, but like uh, this other cat out of Detroit, uh, Bodie James, he's pretty dope. He just came out. He just started putting music out. I like a lot of Beast 2, Alchemist, uh, DJ Premier, um, Action Bronson. So yeah, a lot of old Wu-Tang. So I listen to a lot of old stuff as well. A lot of old Nas, a lot of uh, dilated peoples, uh, leaders of the new school. Right. Does effect. So I'm listening to a wide range of things, but right now I'm really into Griselda right now. They new. I mean, they, they, they older heads, but they, they're new as far as the game is concerned, but it's just straight bars. Like they, they real rappers. So like, I, I like that. Mm. On that Wu-Tang tip. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely Wu-Tang. You know that. Dave, what you listening right, Caleb, to? Give, give us your final thoughts, Caleb, and uh, tell us, and then I'll close this out. All right, man. Um, I didn't know what I was going to get. I just knew I was going to have some good conversation with these cats, man, pulling everyone together because I know that um, you guys are rapping hip hop heads. And um, usually Dave and I, we have opportunity to, to really go in, man, and, and, and really share more of our, our story or be more part of the conversation. But I found myself really enjoying uh, just listening to you guys and for you just to share your knowledge. Um, so if, if I'm going to have any out, man, I don't feel like, you know, as a, as a rap fan, as a hip hop fan, I really don't feel like I was able to really um, share where it started for me. And really, Run DMC, L Cool J, um, Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, um, P.E., Changed My Life, and then um, N.W.A., Ice Cube, uh, America's Most Wanted, Changed My Life Again, right? Uh, Tribe Called Quest, um, talking about that militarization, right? Um, and then another shift in, in Outkast, and then Snoop, and the Dog Pound, uh, Quick, Nas, Jay-Z, and anyone that has ever listened to this podcast know that I am a fan, number one fan of Scarface, right? Scarface is is one of the artists that I that I just follow because he's just never done anything different, man. Um, he's never he's never really sold him soul to the industry, right? Um, and so this today I was listening to this can't be life, right? But Jay Z, Scarface, and, and Benny Siegel, they they were on that album, um, but uh, Jay Z starts it off and and. I'm going to read a couple bars, man. I ain't going to rap it. Um, my rap days are gone, man. Let me, let, me rap, man. let me hear your 16. Right, right, right. 
I mean, you already destroyed you already destroyed my reputation by rapping by rapping what I what I was doing on the block earlier in the day I mean, back in the day man um, but but Jay says see I see I was born in sewage born to make bomb music flows tight like I was born Jewish Jewish um, use the streets as a conduit um, I kept arms 38 longs inside my mom's Buick. At any given moment, Sean could lose it, be on the news, iron cuffs, arms through it, or stuff with embalming, embalming fluid, right? And so that is, that is the stuff that moves me, man. That's the stuff that moves me. Um, when I listen to that, man, um, um, it reminds me of hip hop and rap that I love, Dave. What are you listening to? Um, you know, I try to, uh, move things around. Um, you know, my purpose on the show tonight was to not be part of the conversation. I really just wanted to be a traffic cop. I wanted to, I knew we had some true knowledge in the room and, and I like to look at myself as a hip hop rap, um, aficionado. I can hold my own in any conversation, but I, I look at you all as legends in your own right and up and coming. And some of you have cemented your spot, right? And, and now you just can sit back like old dog and watch other people do dirt, right? And so, um, so I really fulfilled, you know, what I, what I came into the show to do tonight, just to really give you guys a platform. Um, I realized at some point that we're not going to be able to do this uh, in the time we allotted. Um, and Caleb, I think we wanted to run it a little longer tonight, but we said, okay, we're going to do it like this. So part two is important to me, and I want you guys to know that. So we're going to be reaching out to you So. As far as music, I, I, I venture it up. Like you, Black Fist, I don't dig on a lot on the new stuff. I, I hear about new music from my kids. Um, you get in my car at any given time. You know, I'm knocking on 50's door in less than 30 days. Um, I drive a nice car, I live in a nice neighborhood. I got a good job. But if you happen to be in my car or within earshot of, you know, the vibration coming from it, you're going to hear a sweet bass line. You're going to hear something from the 80s, early 90s, because that's just the music I like. But having said that, uh, this week I've been doing kind of a battle back and forth between uh, D Smoke and um, and Kendrick Lamar, right? Just been like no commas from D Smoke on repeat and DNA because I think they have some similarities. I think they have some differences. I think people compared them off of a sound and not really a history or a lyrical presence. But, you know, I do appreciate the music from both. And so I've just been, you know, going back and forth with the two of them this week, um, just really feeling them out. I, um, when D Smoke's album first dropped, I was all in it. And then after like a week, I realized, you know, six months have passed or three months have passed and I hadn't heard it since. It kind of came up, dropped and went off. Versus when Kendrick Lamar dropped Damn, I was with that for like a longer flow. And it was, it was just a different move. So, you know, in preparation for today, I just really wanted to kind of zero myself out and, and let you brothers speak. Um, you guys mentioned a lot of artists that whoever we're talking to next week, they're going to hear some of that, uh, Caleb, on the real, because some of these artists I forgot about. Yeah. Nelly, I forgot Nelly was doing music. It was like, really? Man, who was, okay, yeah. <laughs> Nelly and Nas are different people, right? And it's like, <laughs> um, it goes like that. So um, so that's what's up. So listen here, um, for, for you brothers, um, I can't, I can't, I can't tell you how much, how much uh, Caleb and I appreciate you guys being with the brothers from the 818 tonight. Um, this has been a long time coming. I think even before we started the podcast, we were like, one day we're just going to have a round table with some, 
with some bros from back in the day and some new and up and coming folks and just have a conversation about hip hop. Um, Cause we've had this conversation, Caleb, numerous times and we always have something new to add, but now you guys have really lengthened that up. So we thank you for being part of our story tonight. Um, you can catch the brothers from the 818 on um, any number of mediums. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, 818brothers, Instagram at brothers from the 818. We're on YouTube. You're probably watching that right now at brothers from the 818. Um, you can catch us on um, one of nine or 10 different streaming mediums, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, um, et cetera. Um, we're all over. And our only promise is that as long as you keep showing up, we're gonna keep giving you real and relevant conversation. Whatever's going on is what we wanna talk about. And we want to, um, we just want to honor the system by making sure that um, we don't counteract it, but we, uh, we, we do the things that we need to do. We say the things that need to be said. We're not here to be yes men. We're here to make sure that people know how to say yes when they hear positive words. So um, we thank you. So uh, Brother Verb, we thank you. Uh, Big Rock, we thank you. Josh, uh, thank you uh, for coming on again. You too, Verb. Blackfist, good to see you, man. Um, my prayers out to you, man. And, and, and as I said before, I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, that, 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 that God saw fit to make sure you were here with us tonight. So thank you for that. And uh, the young member of the group, um, I always call people youngsters and someone told me that may be offensive. Ain't no shade, ain't no nothing. I remember what it was like to be 16. Um, but Big Bad Rocky, thank you for your comments. And thank you for being real with your comments too. A lot of times as a young man in the group, it's hard to stand up in front of some people that you might not feel or gonna respect what you have to say because of your age. And what I wanna do is speak on behalf of everybody and say we valued your input. What you said was thoughtful, it was relevant, and it was hard hitting to the point. So thank you as well. Um, to everybody else, we appreciate you hanging with us from the brothers from the 818. And on that, we will say peace until next time. Peace.